0: This episode is brought to you by Hell of the West Triathlon, held on March 24th, a real good Australian tough race. And it's one that me and Reedy have both won, a hugely supportive local community that gets behind this event to make the atmosphere pretty incredible and one that we love to support.
1: Episode twenty five. We are uh, lucky to be joined today by the Kiwi connection, Mike Phillips, Hannah Berry. Um, thanks for joining, guys.
2: No worries, thanks for having us.
1: I'll let's kick it off with Porta Um, Hannah got the win. Mike got out kicked towards the end. Um, looks like a great race. It's one that seems to get a lot of um, support from you guys over there. Talk us through that one
3: um yeah I mean I'm probably a little biased because that race is like on my doorstep I live in Mount Monganui, which is where the race is based um so I love it uh I love the location it's a pretty beautiful little beach town um in Mount Monganui. and so it gets a really good little vibe down there on race day um yeah lots of people out watching it's usually pretty hot um usually pretty sunny so yeah all in all it's usually a pretty good day I reckon um us Kiwis love it so yeah
1: the community like does the community support it really well
3: yeah yeah definitely um it's a pretty busy little area in summer anyway so there's people all out and about on the day and there's just a lot of people come down and just stand on the sidelines and cheer people um taking part but also there's a lot of events happening around the half half the half Ironman is the main race but they have a half marathon, they have a five and 10 K they have a, a few different swimming distance events. Um, and a few years they've also, oh, they also do just the swim bike, um, event as well. So there's lots happening. And so it feels like it's pretty, yeah, pretty busy little event. And uh, when
4: um, I always say there's a big advantage when you don't have to travel to a race. Could you yeah. see that in your numbers or is it like a lot of people say it, but was there, yeah. was there a difference, um, um, a measurable difference?
3: Mm, probably pretty difficult to see, like to tell. Uh, my numbers were slightly better than if I just compare it to Topo 70.3. But Topo also quite a close race for me. Um, but And also we were expecting better numbers because I had a bit of a break post Kona. And so didn't have a big lead into Taupo. Hadn't done a lot of 70.3 last year uh like specific training yep and so we expected to see just another step up for towering it anyway um but I I can feel like I'm definitely more relaxed um and it is just so much easier in those few days leading into the race um so I'm sure that does sort of show on race day I don't know if I can see obvious um like you know a big jump in power just because I haven't traveled or anything like that but um Yeah, definitely feel more relaxed.
0: Pretty good prize money there as well six six and a half grand for the win, three and a half for second. It's uh, who's putting it on? Is it the organisers there? I thought that probably equates to about two thousand dollars. It's it's five hundred US. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) is that Nick's involved? Isn't he a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: So um, a couple years ago, now um, we or Nick decided he wanted to contribute to the prize purse at the Tauranga half we kind of we it isn't like an independent race and it is a race that um we want to keep seeing on the calendar for us Kiwis and I guess in the past has been at risk of maybe falling off the calendar for some of the Kiwis um just because the prize money wasn't really worth the travel for those who live down south and so um yeah we love having an event in our hometown and for Nick, it was a good opportunity for him to get his business name out there. um, And hopefully get some clients from it. Um, And so we saw it as kind of like a win-win really Um, brings all the Kiwis still coming to our hometown to race and um, a a bit of an opportunity for Nick. That's
1: so, so good that he, his money where his mouth is and supported the local event um and, and then you took the money yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's definitely doing something to make She's sure very happens clever. every year so for you Mike <laughs> how, how did that day play out for you Mike um you got yeah, I guess you got caught I guess, towards the end I, is that right
2: yeah I guess just from my point of view like we only have a few opportunities to race in New Zealand I guess for the quite short season so it always, is always good to be able to inv- like include that race on the race calendar um i guess we only really have like december till march for our race season so um yeah but um yeah the day was all right for me i guess it's still pretty early season so it was a bit rusty and made a few mistakes but um i was kind of hoping jack caught me a lot sooner so i could just settle for a second but uh, <laughs> they'll sort of just keep looking behind he wasn't quite there yet so um yeah it did come down to a sprint i thought i'd have a chance in the sprint but um he caught me like one and a half K to go and we ran like three Oh five for that K off the gravel on the off road. Like he's just so good on the up and down and stuff. So I, yeah, I did, by the time I, I came to sprint, I had nothing left. So. <laughs> I,
1: I saw the video and when he kicked, it certainly looked like he uh, went away pretty quickly from you, mate. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah it was a
2: immediate white flag. Eh? So you guys,
1: like you say that your your seasons from like what well, in, in New Zealand is from December to March, but for you two who race like on the world stage that could be pretty that makes your your season really really long if you're going to go and do the, the um hawaii and then 70.3 worlds how do you guys deal with that like is there a mid-season break or, or how do you how do you go about that
2: i guess for me i just kind of treat these races as kind of like a build-up for i in new zealand and try not to really treat them too seriously i guess like it is really hard to sort of push just like where to finish the season and have a break and stuff, because I typically I've like always gone on after New Zealand as well and tried to add another three, four races and then come Cairns I'm walking along the promenade. So it is pretty, uh, it is pretty tough, especially with so many racing opportunities at the moment. Hey Mike, I want to
4: talk about, I think a lot of young guys reach out and, and one of the common things they ask is, Oh, when, when should I take the leap? as a pro or, and all these questions around um, going full time. You set yourself up so you didn't have to be 100% reliant on sponsors. Can you talk about what you did um, just with your building background, construction in Christchurch? You swooped in on some places that were open for some cheap sales and talk about what you did so that you've got that that sort of financial backing that you've done yourself.
2: Uh, I guess I studied engineering like full-time and I was racing sort of ITU stuff through that period. Um, but I always was trying to get a degree and get a job and stuff. Um, and I worked for, like, we had the earthquake in Christchurch, which was obviously a good experience for, like, a lot of work for structural engineers at that time. So I probably continued working longer than I wanted to, but um, I worked for four years, and I was racing at the same time, probably sort of just when I was getting started was when you were kind of in your heyday, Reedy, in those Asian races. Um <laughs> So I was just trying to pick out like one of those every eight weeks or something, and and train while, while I was working, and just go do that, and fly home, and go back to work. Um, but yeah, I guess at the time as well, like there was a few um, opportunities to to get into the property market, which sort of I was able to do, and sort of I guess it also. So I never had any pressure racing, so it was quite good. Like I never relied on it for a paycheck; it was just like a bonus if I covered my costs. Really, so definitely it was a different approach but um now yeah certainly it's uh d- taking it a bit more seriously and doing it more full-time steve you hear that <laughs> just,
4: just become a property mogul and then don't worry about sponsorship anymore
1: well i just That's came the from the key.
4: accountant he said
0: no nah, sorry mate you can't afford another house <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no one can at the moment with interest rates
2: in Australia,
1: <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. yeah um race schedule this year uh, there's a lot going on in the world of triathlon with um, PTR events, the Ironman series, um, lots of moving parts. Hannah, do you want to kick off first? Are you able to speak about what you're doing this year yet?
3: Um. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's um. Pretty... We'll release
4: it when you want. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: it's a pretty recent, uh, I'd say, change of decision. Um when the Man series came out it did really excite me but I wasn't I sort of looked at it and was like oh now I'll stick to my original plan which was to do Man New Zealand and then um I actually always wanted to go and do Cairns this year uh it's a race that I've been wanting to do for a while and haven't got there yet um but then the more I thought about it and actually probably post um I just feel like I'm in a pretty good place, um, training-wise at the moment, and so I thought actually maybe I'll give um the Ironman Pro Series a go this year. So that's that's my plan, um, but that actually means no Ironman New Zealand for me anymore, um, just because of my experience level at the full distance. I've already done four, um, and so if I was to add in an additional Ironman this year as well as a series, it would just be a bit silly, um. So yeah, no Ironman in New Zealand, and then um, getting into the IM Pro Series this year, which is exciting.
1: That would have been a really tough one, uh, tough decision to make to not race that home race.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, for you, Mike, are you you're doing New Zealand? I assume.
2: Yeah, I guess at the moment I'm doing Ironman in New Zealand, and then still a little on the fence about uh, what to do next, just because I guess with the sort of constantly uh, evolving race situation it's hard to sort of there's so many opportunities and they're both quite exclusive like if you want to do the Ironman series it really rules out everything else so um if you want to give it a realistic um nudge so yeah I'm still I'm sort of going to do New Zealand and see how we're going and then make a plan from there so Ironman like
1: number of Ironmans this year for you Hannah how many are you going to try and peak for
3: uh, it's, so it's three Ironmans. Um, yep. I ideally nice is still a bit more of a focus, but I also want to be in pretty good. I mean, Ken's is the other one that really excites me. Um, I'm planning on doing Texas first. Um, and between now and then, which is on, so that's on the April the twenty seventh. Just sort of do like a sort of a long. Steady build to that one rather than the usual sort of rush build into Ironman New Zealand, um, which would have happened if I was going to be racing that one now. Um, Yeah, so just sort of ease my way into Texas and then, yeah, Cairns and Nice. I'm pretty excited about Nice. I think it will be a real interesting race. So, um, yeah.
1: And the the other question, I guess, that we've got there is, like, how do you feel, for both of you, how do you feel like it's going to affect race dynamics and like the quality of fields having some people doing pto events some doing iron man and then it almost forces people to race a lot more so do you think that we're going to have a lot more misfires from the pros who are kind of forced to go and race or do you think it's just going to be the big races the big guns will show up
2: i think the ironman series will be really stacked especially early on like i think texas you'll probably have everyone there and it might become quite apparent like halfway through the year who's got a chance of winning the series and who doesn't. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: So you feel like it could potentially mean that people start the series and then find that they're just not going to be competitive. So then they kind of shift focus for the rest of the year.
2: I guess it's quite difficult because if you have a bad fall or something happens, you get it, even if you have a mechanical or something like that, like then you've got to line up again somewhere. And it's pretty hard to schedule in you know, four fulls or maybe even five falls in a year. And I think if you don't do three fulls, it'd be really hard to score points like the way the point system works. It's I think really the best, hard to have a good ranking.
0: The best way to do it would be to like potentially sacrifice Kona a little bit, doing a last one closer to Kona, because if you did something like Cairns, Lake Placid and, or if you could actually just skip Kona, um, let everyone try and do that and do the Lake Placid and the European one. Uh, Frankfurt I think it is or I think they'll be less stacked so you probably end up with more points doing Cairns, Lake Placid and Frankfurt like if you're a male and you could pick something similar with um, the females but if you're close enough to the win on all three of those the least stacked ones probably then don't do Kona spend less money that's what I would do if I because I'm a chicken um, and also (laughs) Uh, but I, i'm not doing any of it i'm not chasing anything this year because i've got a baby on the way so i've just given up all hope this year and i'll just uh, be a bottom feeder yeah.
2: <laughs> i think it does but i think open it's up... also sorry. I think, sorry I think i think it's also hard with that extra thousand points because a thousand points is like 20 minutes so even if you're 20 minutes back at corona it's the same as winning another um full okay. distance so it's the same at 70.3, World's 2 is an extra 1,000. So, like, if you don't do that, you're, you know, 20 minutes – you can be 20 minutes behind at World's 70.3 and still get the same points as winning a half. Right.
3: And technically, if you do a faster course, there's probably, say, like a less hilly course, there's probably going to be less difference in the finish times versus, say, a Lake Placid. Yeah. So, um, you kind of – maybe have to take that into account as well.
1: I, I almost like- – I almost feel bad for not asking you, Steve. What's the plans, mate? What are you doing?
0: (laughs) No, I'm not doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) But but I feel like if I did Kona, I'd probably, even if I came like a great position for me, I might be like first time in Kona. Imagine if I came 10th, I'd probably be really stoked, but I'd be 20 minutes behind anyway. So I might as well try (laughs) within five or 10 minutes of the winner at some other race. But um, Well, that'll be less points though. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I'm not I'm not as smart as you.
2: <laughs> you, can tell,
0: you can tell no one on you this podcast besides you guys has looked into the actual. Yeah, yeah you You, do, you, do you guys
4: you, have looked into
1: stick to
4: that plan soon. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I really I, need
0: to do my calculations.
4: So, Mike, you you used to go, I don't know if this has changed, but you used to do a big block of work, big block of training, and then you'd um, go off somewhere and hit two or three races quite close together. Uh, are you still doing that sort of uh, model with your – your training and racing?
2: Uh, I guess it's sort of changed a bit, uh, sort of depending on what races and stuff. Um, I tend to do, like, summer works out well for me. Like, it's always easy at home, but it's always hard traveling to, you know, get the same quality of training and um, same sort of, you know, you go to a different place, it's hard to be familiar with everything around and where to go training and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's still sort of evolving as the racing calendar changes. But, um, yeah, yeah.
4: So and, now you would say more of a, just a block, a traditional build, do it, do a hit out as part of the build and then have an A race sort of thing rather than yeah, get real fit, yeah, even see it. how
2: long the form lasts and go back <laughs> to work. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely done that a few times, but um yeah, I sort of like to just, if I get, do a bit of block of work and then go and do a couple of halves and then a full or something and come back home, it seems to work all right. Yep. Hannah, Where you're
1: we, Hannah, you're similar, right? Like you like previously you've done Port of Tauranga into New Zealand and then I think you did, was it Cozumel three weeks before Hawaii last year? Like is that normally yeah. the the Recipe. block that you follow, the way that you do it?
3: Yeah, I'm I mean, I do like to block things up into sort of I mean, when you're, when you're an athlete in this part of the world too, it's really hard because you don't have that really obvious um, off season. So I think it is helpful to sort of put your races into blocks and then you can have sort of smaller periods of recovery and then go again. Um, Otherwise you sort of risk just sort of meandering your way through the year. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I do try to block out the year a little bit too and having some recovery as well Um, and always you know, having a, a half Ironman hit out before a full distance is usually a pretty good idea. You sort of um, blow out the rust um, and just, yeah, have a good hit out before sort of a key event.
1: So you did Cozumel and then flew straight to Hawaii. Was that right?
3: Yep.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, my favorite run shoe is that original ASICS Metaspeed Sky. Do you guys get access to that being the sponsored athletes <laughs> seeing as it's now discontinued? Or do you, is that your... Or are you racing in the Sky Plus, Mike? And what do you race in, Hannah? Sky Plus,
3: yeah. Um,
4: yeah. Oh, really? Have you tested that compared to the original Sky? Don't do it because you realise that (laughs) you are losing out.
1: Do you you think either of them are going to step on here and say, oh, the original ASICs is better than the new one, right? It's way better. (laughs) Um, So that was actually one of the fan questions we had for today was you're both ASICs-sponsored athletes. Um, Training shoes and race shoes, what's your go-to for both of you guys?
3: um, For me, my favourite training shoe is the Nova Blast. Um, which came out not that long I think the Nova Blast 4 came out not long ago. Um, that is That has been my favourite training shoe as of late. And then, yeah, as we said, the Metaspace Sky Plus is my race shoe. Mike?
2: Uh, I'm in uh, Keanu's most of the time. Um, and then I run in the Nova Blast if I do something slightly faster. Um, occasionally the race shoes, but not too much, maybe once a week. So
1: for the tempo stuff during training, you'll go, you'll resort to the the race shoe. Uh,
2: mainly the Nova Blast, but maybe once a week I'll jump in the race shoes if I've got a race coming up.
4: Nice. The reason I asked about the original Sky, I'm not letting this go, was um, (laughs) there I just saw in the in the ITU a lot of those guys were back into it, back in it. So I was curious whether um there was a backstock that i can get hold of i'll hit you up after <laughs> the show <laughs> that's size four or the kids' sizes or...
0: <laughs> maybe that's why <Wyatt>. yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, hey, have you been
0: told with your recent injury that that's like one of the only shoes that you'll go well in
4: yeah so we, we actually found an amazing podiatrist out at lismore and he's got a uh zebri machine which is it looks sounds like zebra but with an is on the end <laughs> and um he can map the whole way your foot the pressure map of your whole uh, foot, and uh, I definitely think we're going to go back with a whole heap of shoes. But so far, Asics uh, Sky is looking like it's going to be my shoe for sure. Nice. But yeah, it's really interesting how just the level of pronation or supination for some people is just what shoe is um, best for you in terms of preventing injuries, but also is what's most efficient. Really, is so individual. So, um, and you've done testing with Sporter Shoe down in Adelaide, and probably. Seen much of the same results, Steve.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, do, have you tried the Edge? Just because they've got less of sh- less shoe up front, that might help with what we've got going on. Up yeah, front, I, I, don't pre- I
4: prefer the Edge over the Sky Plus for sure. Okay, I have I have some major issues with the Sky Plus, which I wrote a blog about because I'm a nerd. <laughs>
0: lost, lost, that's why you have to ask them because you're not sponsored by us yeah they stopped sending the shoes after that.
1: <laughs> that that was actually one of the questions that um people asked in terms of which Asics. and then also oddly they asked do you wear and this for you too steve do you wear the same size running shoe as you do in a, like a casual shoe or do you go up or down a size I'm same nice to-
2: for me
1: yeah same All the same. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I think it's something that obviously when you run long or you're doing Ironman, your feet do swell a bit. So I think some people get, um, nervous and and go up a size, but it's not something that you can really go and train. So, um, I guess that's where that question came from. Uh, one thing that always stands out when I see photos of both of you on the, the race course is bike position, both very well set up on your bikes. Um, how much time do you guys spend testing, uh, working on that, um, doing strength-specific work to make sure that you can hold a really good position come race day?
3: <laughs> um, I'd say we're both uh... – both sort of made it up as we've gone along at this stage. Are you
1: kidding? you both like look very very good I, on a bike.
3: I know Mike's uh, very scientific approach. Mm. <laughs> I've seen him fiddling around with his bike. In front oh. Mike's Mike's <laughs> sold like a
1: hundred
0: thousand POC helmets for that brand, <laughs> and they're not even. No one can get ha- the hands. Like, they don't make them anymore. So he's just just yeah. everyone off. The, I, the, are you, the best are you... thing is
2: it's like really hard to ride with the POC in a good position. Like and everyone else, like a lot of people that buy it are in a position probably costing them 10 watts
4: yeah i've heard that it's, it's <laughs> like it's perfect if it's perfect and then as soon as you drop your head it's like one of the most creates some of the most drag of any helmet <laughs> yeah. So. yeah like
2: you normally you normally know about it when you've got it in the wrong position but um yeah i mean you see a lot of photos of guys riding with their head up in the air with the pock poc on and it's just <laughs> <laughs> they've just increased their surface area quite, quite yeah. a lot.
1: Yeah. as an aero yeah. nerd i'm i'm very very disappointed that both of you haven't I'm done actually... any testing
3: I've actually just um, made an appointment to do some aero testing at the Velodrome here in New Zealand. So I'm about to.
1: (laughs) That's good. Well, it actually looks really good. And obviously um, you went with the P series, right? Instead of a P5 to make sure you can get into a good position. And that was where my aero nerd brain went. And to find out that you haven't done any testing, I'm I'm still very impressed. So we'll see how much it changes, hey?
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. So. Given you both have done Ironman New Zealand a few times, um, can you give us like a lot of listeners will be tuning to this for some tips to do with the race? I've been talking to a few of my athletes today, so if you if you miss anything, I can fill in the gaps. But um, what's what would be your number one tip for that race? That's different to other races. You know, it's a, the temperatures are a bit can be a little bit extreme. Um, anything you want to mention, Hannah?
3: um I mean the first thing that pops into my mind would be the road surface um so maybe considering tire choice and um tire width and tire pressure for the New Zealand roads but I think a lot of people are aware of that everyone knows that New Zealand roads are pretty terrible um that that was the first thing that popped into my mind for sure um other than that Mike you have a go (laughs) Uh, I guess
2: guess the run course is pretty undulating, like more so than some people realize, especially there's a few little steep ones. So definitely save a bit of energy on those and try not to push too hard up them. Like most of the time I get dropped on those hills, but um, yeah, you sort of make it back in other areas.
4: Uh, Hannah already touched on it, but um, so if you like traditionally, Mike, I feel like you've probably had your best races in cool temperatures. Will you go back to Kona? Should you? Should you get there? I, I'm assuming you will. But do you? Can you pinpoint anything that's sort of been your undoing with those hotter races? Have you done sweat testing and all that sort of thing?
2: I uh, actually have had quite a few good races in the heat. It's more like the timing and coming out of New Zealand and just trying to find somewhere to do like heat adaption. Like yep. the first time I went to Kona just out of the winter here, and I actually went all right. And then uh, the other times I sort of was traveling and trying to fly in there late and stuff, and it just just trying to get that sort of recipe beforehand, which is quite good. I don't think I've like a heavy sweater or have too much problems with that if I've done a proper heat acclimation. So um, yeah, yeah, I'll probably go back there again. Um, it's one of those things they like took you quite a few times, Freddy, but yeah, got,
4: got there <laughs> in the end. Oh, I didn't even get there, but <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't terrible. Uh, yeah, well, but it it's terrible, is. Yeah. It's, it's
4: every time you go back, and this is, you know, I think a lot of people can leave their Hawaii run a bit late because I feel like. There's a lot to learn from just going there and sometimes failing, even though it's an expensive lesson. Um, certainly, you know, that's why I'm sort of pushing Steve to, to uh, he, you know, even if he's not trying to go top five the first year, I'm like, sometimes to go top five, historically, most athletes that go top five have actually crept their way up there. I mean, you've got your freaks of nature, but for us common men, um, <laughs> the, the path is go, go there, learn, adjust. and and get better year in year out. So yeah, that's interesting to hear um, because obviously you've had some good hot hot races in uh, over the shorter distance um, and you've had good uh, warm Ironmans as well.
2: Um, I don't think I've really done. Well, I've only really done Cairns and Kona. Yeah. I think my first Kona was all right. Like I came out of the winter here and ran just under three hours. I think I passed you up Palani. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I was quite surprised with that. Like, I didn't really do any heat stuff or anything. And yeah. I think I was like 16th or something like that. So I thought maybe I could be all right. But um, yeah, I haven't really had a good lead into another hot one. So for you, Hannah, last year I had a good day out, like a
1: 308 marathon over there is really good. Um, what was your plan of attack with the heat over there? Did you do some specific work before you went?
3: um yeah I mean yeah we did plan to be in so I was in Mexico um I did Cozumel 70.3 three weeks out and I think I went to Cozumel maybe a week out from that race so um I actually found that that was really good preparation it was hotter in Cozumel than what it was in Kona um so by the time I got to Kona it didn't feel that hot for me um I actually found it quite nice uh I do actually I do even yeah I do actually quite like the heat um which sometimes is a surprise to people I'm not like the smallest athlete out there but um yeah I've always liked warm places and I love training in the middle of the day so um I enjoy the heat I did good sort of yeah we planned out a good sort of heat prep into Kona and then the other factor was just nailing nutrition um and sort of yeah Getting that right on race day, really
0: nice. Where will you go, Hannah, before Texas? Will you go race Oceanside, or just head over pre-Texas?
3: No, um, I'm actually quite keen to do Geelong, um, even though it's not part of the series. But uh, I raced there. I think it might have been 2019, from memory. I just really enjoyed the race, and that's. Did you
4: win that that year?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I'll do that, and then head over and maybe just spend a few weeks, uh, in Texas and like, say the woodlands or something like that, um, leading into the race. I've, f- I've found out the hard way that it pays to get sort of over that side of the world, maybe three weeks out, <laughs> um, any sooner. And I struggle to race well. So, um, yeah, we will head out probably three weeks out from the race and just get the heat prep and, um, there but then also i'm coming out of new zealand summer so uh it's pretty hot here at this time of year anyway
0: okay i'm sorry to do another shameless uh promotion this is for nerd belts we've just been stocked on the feed in the u.s and uh basically we want them to sell out as quick as possible so they put in a big order and um just kind of get nerd belts out there in the u.s it could um could be huge for the brand so yeah, everyone here that's listening probably knows about nerd belts hydration belts that hold your race number and and extra fuel so yeah if th- if you have supported nerd belts already thanks a lot and um yeah we just we're just excited for this uh kind of launch into the u.s so thought i would mention it here and um anyone that wants to share it with a u.s athlete then please do we will try and get as many sales as possible in the u.s and Maybe I can uh, afford to go to Kona this year.
1: <laughs> we've actually, every time we have people on, we've just put out a post and for some fan questions. Um, we've actually got a few, which mm. we'll kick it off with uh, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what power did you hold at Geelong last year? This comes from S. McKenna
2: in Adelaide. (laughs) (laughs) No, I already know. (laughs) Yeah, I think I, I rode quite high for the first lap, like 375 or something for the first lap. And then I think when I saw the gap and like I had to make up a bit of time from the swim too, I sort of dialed it back a bit just to make sure I could run. Yeah, so knowing think, that that's think, double, double
0: no, what I held, that but, doesn't help me at all. He's also got <laughs> triple
4: the calf size, Steve. That's got to move <laughs> through the window. <laughs> um, so have you lost Mike? Sorry, you again. Have you lost any support now that you're the second ranked Ironman athlete in your family? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Did that come from a B. dot (laughs) Phillips? Apparently, yeah. He's a a coaster coaster now. Oh, is he doing that? Coaster in a a couple of weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's amazing when you told me about just like he's working pretty much full time, right, and just trains around that, and he's bloody good. It's almost like you almost need to give him a slap and say, "Mate, move to three days a week and give it a proper crack."
2: Yeah, I think his, um, the other stuff he's doing is a bit more attractive than what Iron Man can offer. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he's, totally uh, yeah, uh, but he's he, he'll train for like three or four weeks leading into a race sometimes. And race is pretty good. Like, yeah. there's some races he's done where he's done like two swims before the race. Wow. And we start oh. and he's like swimming beside a hamburger for the first K or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just, uh, just enjoys jumping in and going hard, I think.
4: Uh, question here for Hannah, and you can answer or not answer this. But obviously, the dilemma for women in particular is uh, whether you would want to have a family at some point and how you would manage that. Would you do it mid-career and come back, or would you wait till the end of your career, or do you not want to have a family, <laughs> or, do you, or do you not want to answer?
3: Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> answer. Um, yeah, we we do want to have a family one day. Um, I mean, it's tricky. It's hard for women to try and plan that in around a sporting career um yeah I mean we don't want a family just yet but we do maybe in a few years time we're not sure exactly when but um yeah I mean I guess you have to be prepared that maybe you won't come back because you don't know what is going to happen during your pregnancy or how you'll feel after um having children whether you want to or not you know things might change but um I wouldn't mind trying to come back after um starting a family uh and that's sort of my reasoning for going for this pro series as well because there's only a certain period of time in my career that maybe i can do the really long trips overseas and do the big races um that require so much time overseas um if we start a family and i want to come back to racing i'm probably going to be racing i in new zealand so um yeah, I mean, I would like to. Don't know when it's going to happen, but um, yeah, fingers crossed it does. But it'll be a juggle and a whole new challenge, I'm sure. But other professional women have shown that it's possible. So, yeah. yeah.
1: That that actually leads pretty well into one of the other questions was, uh, although triathlon's a solo sport, it takes a lot of support. Uh, what does your support network look like, both like with sponsors and with family, friends, who can help out? Uh,
3: so for me, I have my husband, Nick, um, is obviously a big part of, um, you know, my life and my journey. And he, I'm very fortunate that he can come along with me overseas pretty much all the time um, because he can do his job away. Um, and that makes the whole, the whole journey i guess more enjoyable for me if i was traveling on my own it would probably be pretty hard um i think i'd struggle it sucks so the fact that i have nick with me most of the time is a huge plus um, i also i have my parents close by at home so they're all, always sort of invested in um what i'm doing and they come to races back here in new zealand maybe occasionally to Australia, Um, I have a manager who helps out with um, I guess the social media and also the sponsorship um, yeah the sponsorship conversations and contracts and that kind of thing which has been a big help this year as well and then obviously my coach um, and then obviously outside of that various friends and family um, who yeah sort of support me and encourage me I guess so yeah that's sort of how my sort of network works. It's pretty small, but um I think I'm in a pretty fortunate position um with sort of my setup and how we can travel around.
1: I think both Reedy and Steve will attest to that that having company whilst traveling can very, very much make or break trips.
4: Thing is we're getting personal. I've got one from um Emma Rowlings here. Oh, um <laughs> are you single mic or does the travel <laughs> constant travel make it too hard to keep a long-term relationship
2: (laughs) no i've still got a long-term relationship but a bit different to hannah i guess like ash is at the at the hospital so um it's uh yeah it's a bit bit harder to get time off and obviously can't work from afar so yeah the uh, long sort of solo trips away are getting a bit harder but um yeah, is that is push, that where you just say
1: to, is, is that where you just say to Ben, hey mate, you really should jump into this race. I reckon you can get fit in three weeks. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <And we'll laughs> yeah, split all yeah. the costs. <laughs> um
0: can I read, I've got a fan question that came for Mike. Let's get it. Yeah, it came to me personally from... <laughs> like,
3: All of these fan like?
0: questions we just make out. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Mine mine did come in, I promise. So, Mike, someone's wrote in. I didn't know this about you, but they said that you used to be an amateur uh, magician. Like you'd (laughs) you'd go anyway. Did he said he knows your nickname is Magic Mike. Is that where it came from, or is there is there another
2: area that that nickname came from? (laughs) i'm I, i'm never really sure where that name came from i think Belinda granger knows but um, <laughs> oh, you have to check with her
0: you are the you are the new zealand matt shervington we'll just leave it <laughs> <up>. <laughs>
1: yeah i think we've taken enough of their time guys I believe, uh, <laughs> all right
4: well um we just want to say thank you so much for taking the time um and wish wish you all the best this year. We'll be following closely and um, here to chat if you want to chat again at some stage, <laughs> if you have a wonderful race and want to share the whole experience with us, we'd love to have <laughs> you back.
2: Cheers for having us, guys. Thank no you worries. Zealand.
4: I'll see you in New Zealand, actually, in a few weeks.
2: Nice. Cool. Out of retirement. Hey. Out of retirement. <laughs> yeah this back. <laughs> no there's no <laughs> comeback <laughs>
4: all right thanks
3: guys